0: Welcome in to the Wednesday Bible Study. I mean, we, we've been uh, walking through the book of Genesis. It is amazing to me, and I don't know why I keep being amazed by these kind of things. Uh, we're going to end the year by ending Genesis. I mean, it took us exactly 12 months uh, to walk through it. So uh, we are, today is the 30th. So what do we got? Two more? Two more or three more? Two more before we're done? Because uh, I know that the uh 14th will be our last uh once we got two more Uh, this and two more so and then we will be finished today we'll be in genesis 47 and i don't know how in the world i've let these men in this room talk me into it but we will come back in january lord willing and we will walk through the revelation and we'll let me correct something right out of the gate it's the revelation it's not revelations uh, there's not a bunch of them. It's the revelation. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, we will, uh, we will do that in January. So we're going to finish the beginning and then we're going to talk about the end. Uh, when we come back in 2023, I was trying to figure guys who are veterans in the room. I actually spent some time on this last night since storms kept me up. And, and then before you know it, your mind gets to working. And I started thinking, how many years have we really been doing this Wednesday Bible study? I know we started and it was September was the month that we started. And I went back and I tried to trace all the way back. So we kicked off the manchurch.com in 2020 and we had been doing uh, the strategy working it for seven years prior to that. So that would have been 2013. So if you do 2013 and you realize that January is going to be 2023, that September of 2023 will be 10 years. So uh, so we're really in our ninth year, Working our way to to our celebrating the tenth. So uh, so in September of 2023, it'll be 10 years. So uh, we are we're in the ninth year of this Wednesday Bible study right now. So so that's kind of cool. Uh, so anyway, so go ahead and turn to Genesis 47. We'll jump into that. Uh, let me let you know a few things. Look at those that are watching. Everybody paying attention right here. If you're putting off getting your tickets to the Manchurch Conference coming up February 24th and 25th, you, you're really messing up. You, you you need to get that done uh, because uh, we are now, um, you know, uh, over half of all the reserve seats are gone, and the price is going to go up in January. These are the early bird prices. Look, look, look you, I'm always about being transparent. People say, why does the price go up? So so you'll go ahead and buy the tickets, and we can start playing around the people we're going to have. <laughs> Okay, it's it, it's a it's a it's a ploy. It's been around for a long time, uh, and what it is is try to get people to go ahead and 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 get the tickets so you know when you're planning all the other stuff how many people you got coming, and the sooner we can know that the better. Uh, so, but so the price will go up uh, in in January. So go ahead and get those now. If you're buying uh, less ten or less, you can just do it online at themanchurch.com. If you are taking your group of men from your church and you need more than 10, you need to just call the box office at the Performing Arts Center in Oxford, Alabama. That's where it's going to be uh, on the 24th and the 25th. And we're going to have Andy Blanks will be doing a session. Rich Wingo will be doing a session. I'm doing two sessions. Uh, We have Recap Gray, a young pastor out of Orlando, Florida. He'll do a session. He's going to kind of be our special guest. All the rest of us are from Team Man Church. And then Chuck Hooten, uh, is going to be leading worship. He's fantastic, uh, and uh, I'm getting a lot of this. I hadn't got my invitation to the breakfast yet. It's coming. I've, I've talked to the performing arts. They they send them out. You know, they let a bunch of tickets build up, and you'll get a, a something that says, "Are you in leadership uh, at your church with the men's ministry?" Uh, if you say yes, then you get to come to a breakfast, no charge for that. You get to come, and we'll have uh, Helmsy there from Team Man Church and the Rick and Bubba Show. He's going to talk about the best way to teach the small groups and teach the curriculum. Uh, I'll be there to answer questions. Andy Blanks will be there who oversees all the study guides. Uh, I'm there. I do all the videos for the curriculum. Uh, so uh, our, our team will be there. Our publishers will be there, and, uh, and we'll answer any questions and do a little q and a little networking on that Saturday morning too. And then we'll give you a discount when you get your ticket uh, to go to Big Time Entertainment there in Oxford, Alabama, and your men can go do fellowship and have some fun too before you go back home. So that's 24th and 25th of February, uh, the the magical men's conference month of the year, uh, and uh, we look forward to having you there. If you plan on going or if you're watching this and you got men on your Christmas list, great idea to do that too, and you might as well do it before you have to pay more money in January. All right, so there you go. So we got that covered. A couple of man churches coming up. Uh, Webster, Florida, uh, down around Tampa, First Baptist Church. It's their second man church. Uh, They've got Scott Dawson. Just talked to him. He's got his flights all together. He's coming to see you. You guys are on fire for the, the curriculum and what's going on right now. Excited about what I'm hearing from your pastor and your men's group leader. So that's coming up on December the 11th. On December the 10th, Andy Blanks is in Mobile, Alabama. Andy will be at West Mobile Baptist Church. That's going to be a breakfast. That's going to be in the morning. They, they do a couple of theirs in the morning. Uh, so that'll be happening on Saturday morning, the 10th. So you're good if you want to watch any of the ballgames later in the day. Uh, go there and see Andy Blanks. He'll be teaching your next man church as the curriculum continues to go forward. So let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's jump right into Genesis 47. Lord, thank you for today. Right now, Lord, we think about our, our brother, uh, Jim Brandt, who Jim's in here. He doesn't miss. And, Lord, the pain he's having with his back and – uh, what the, the treatment that he's getting today to try to relieve some of this pain. I pray, Lord, uh, that this uh, uh, surgery uh, is successful. I pray that his recovery is successful uh, and that he will be back to join us. Thank you, Lord, for the men represented today. Be with those that aren't. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that you continue to mold us into the men that you called us to be and also be with anyone who's watching this, man or woman, Lord, as we unpack your holy word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so let's talk about what's going on in 47. Now, I'm, I'm not going to finish 47 because when it gets to verse 28 in 47, remember the Bible was not written the way we have it laid out. These are ongoing thoughts. Um, you know, the, when they put the canon together and they began to organize the word of God with all this that we had, they made the chapters and the verses so it'd be easier for us to study. Uh, but uh, sometimes um, you, you you have to look at how the narrative is going and go, all right, we need to stop right there because really 48 really starts in verse 27 of, of, uh, of chapter 47 because we we get down to to Jacob's actual earthly death. So I'd rather next week be all about Jacob's uh, earthly death. So we're going to stop today once we get everybody settled uh, in Goshen. So there's a lot to unpack today. Uh, so let's get started. So let's look at what's happening here. First of all, you know we, we've got Jacob, he's, he's there now in in, in Egypt with Joseph. Uh, Joseph of course has, has now revealed himself to the brothers. He's revealed himself to his father. Uh, and now we're getting into getting his father and his brothers and all their family settled into Goshen They're in Egypt. And they need to be- make sure this all goes smoothly because this is Joseph protecting his family, God putting him in a position to protect his family. And we know that, uh, that his daddy is going to get to live 17 years uh, in Goshen. That's actually mentioned in the scripture and we'll see that. Uh, so, In in verse one, we're kind of picking up to where we left off last week. Do you remember Joseph getting with his daddy and getting with his brother saying, "Hey, our game plan is going to be we're shepherds, okay? Because uh, nobody in Egypt wants to be a shepherd. Nobody's going to bother shepherds, uh, and and this is going to get us, uh, you know, in good standing with Pharaoh. Uh, Nobody's going to be bothered by a bunch of Hebrew shepherds, and we're going to tell them all we're going to do is be shepherds, and we're going to live peacefully in Goshen. We're all good. We're not here to cause trouble." Uh, and, and, and there's nothing you should be concerned about about our presence here uh, in Egypt. So Joseph gives him a little reminder uh, in verse 1 of chapter uh, 47 when he says, So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers with their flocks and herds and all they possess have come from the land of Canaan, and they are now in the land of Goshen. So remember, when even though he's given this plan, do you ever sometimes want somebody to say, now, look, if that's our plan, go ahead and grease the wheel a little bit for us. Well, he never mentions their occupation, uh, and this time uh, he, he's only mentioning uh, his, his father by name, uh, and, uh, but, uh, and, and he's not saying anything about their occupation. He's setting them up, but he doesn't mention it to kind of get it started because I guess he wants it to be pure uh, when they come in. So the bottom line is, hey, Dad, my dad's here that we've been talking about. My brothers are here. Uh, and uh, and they've got their flocks, they got their herds, and they've come from Canaan, and they're going to stay here in the land of Goshen, kind of like you and I talked about. Okay, um, so now in verse two through four, uh, and from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, "What is your occupation?" So here it is, and they said to Pharaoh, "Your servants, I'd underline that, are shepherds, underline that, as our fathers were." Uh, they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land for there is no pasture for your servants flocks for the famine uh, is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants notice that that that's very smart dwell in the land of Goshen. All right. So Joseph takes five of the brothers. I don't know why it's not important, but we don't know who they are. We don't know which five he picked. We can probably guess, but he takes five of his brothers and, um, uh, we believe that uh, that uh, most likely Moses is writing this, inspired by God. Uh, but for this time, he doesn't really give us any specifics on um, on why he just says five brothers. So it must not be important. Uh, and um, and Pharaoh does ask as Joseph had prepared his family, he's going to ask about your occupation. Uh, and so we're going with shepherds. That's what we do. Uh, and we've been doing that for generations, um, and so uh, he 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 gets the right response. The brothers had been well versed, but notice that he the brothers are very smart when they're saying we don't know who the spokesperson is. We can guess, but he says your servants, which is the proper response to Pharaoh. You don't you don't roll up in front of Pharaoh and start acting like y'all longtime buddies. I mean, would you go in and you say your servants are here? Um, and, and, and we, we, we have been generational shepherds, that is accurate, that's not a lie, Tom, uh, and, 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 they, and, and they're also making it clear that they are going to live as aliens, they're sojourners, meaning they are now asking to reside in a land that they acknowledge isn't theirs. Uh, and, and the reason we want to do it is not that we're running up in here trying to take over, the reason we're doing it is because of the famine. So they 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 follow Joseph's instructions to the letter, which, by the way, we could learn from that. If, if, if God's person has been put in your life and says, this is how you do things, we probably want to follow what they say instead of making up our own version of it. Now notice all the foreshadowing here. First of all, they're coming into the presence of the king, uh, for lack of a better term. This is Pharaoh. And when they walk into the presence of Pharaoh, they acknowledge he has the ultimate authority. What else are we learning as a foreshadowing here? God's chosen people are going to be living in a foreign land. I've got news for you, and, and this same news applies to me, and it applies to all of you out there. If you have decided to follow Jesus, you are a sojourner. This is not where you live. You are now in a foreign land. And you are there because you realize this thing is is falling and going away, but for the time being, you're here because we require to eat, we require to have shelter, we require clothing and these things. But what you gotta be real careful is remember, they have no they're not delusional at all that they're in a, a new Canaan. They're in Egypt. And they know it and they acknowledge it. This is not our place. But we have to be here right now. We don't have a choice, but we acknowledge that we're aliens. And I think too many times where we mess up as followers of Jesus is we think, well, good, I'm not going to hell. Now back to, to, to where I really live, and I'm going to act like everybody else. No, we're, we, you know what we need to be? We need to be separated away from the world. We need to be in the world, but we are not of the world. We are sojourners. This is not our home. This is not our land. And really, if you look at the garbage of this place, aren't you glad? And what we try to do, and it's wrong, is we try to create heaven on earth. And how's that work out? Not not very well. So if you'll just realize this isn't heaven, and you'll just realize that we're sojourners, and you realize we're aliens, it really makes all this make a lot more sense, and it doesn't bother you near as bad. Right. So 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 this is something that we need to learn. From this, So now let's look at verses 5 and look at verses 6. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you, and, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen, and if you know any able men among you, put them in charge of my livestock. Okay, this is looking good. So Joseph is now given permission. It's a green light. It's a go. Which means what? The brothers did what he said. Pharaoh liked what he heard. He didn't have any problem with it, and he says, "I'm giving you the green light. Go ahead and set them up in the best of the land. Let's get them over to Goshen, Uh, and uh, and then I like this: find the most skilled and put them in charge of my livestock. Now that what that tells us. Remember what we learned about Goshen last week. Uh, For those of you that, of course, I know everybody who misses. Y'all go and get the archive. Nobody goes a week not doing their Bible study, right? So so I don't even have to tell y'all this. But but in case somehow you hadn't gotten around to that or you weren't here, okay, what we learned is Goshen is where that most of the livestock was kept. Why? Because when they get up around around the Nile, they eat up all the very the little, the little vegetation there is on each side of the Nile, and the Egyptians hate that. So Goshen is the pasture land. Let, let's tear all the livestock. So Pharaoh's livestock's there too. What he owns there. So look what's happened. Look at this that God has set up with Joseph in this whole deal that everybody thought was this horrible thing. Now Joseph is in such standing that the Pharaoh throws in, oh, by the way, whenever your brothers, any of your family that's really good at this, put them in charge of my livestock too. It's total trust. I mean, they're getting set up for a sweet setup for a horrible famine. Uh, that's only going to get worse, by the way, uh, over the uh, the five years that they're going to have to spend there, uh, the first five years. So, uh, so anyway, what? Let me tell you what this means. And I looked at some of the commentaries. So, Pharaoh has livestock in Goshen. By the way, y'all look after the pick the guy that's the best out of your bunch and put him over this. The minute that happens, what whatever group of Joseph's brothers he pulls out to give them responsibility to Pharaoh's livestock, at that moment. The foreshadowing. Does anybody love the Bible? If you don't, you should. Okay, and I'm embarrassed of the years I didn't love it. This whole thing's about Jesus. The entire Bible's about Jesus. Remember? So, so look what happens. The King says to Joseph, "Since they belong to you, I will make them royal ambassadors. They're co-heirs with you right now. Does that sound familiar at all? Have ever read Romans chapter eight? Look at this. They get status as royal ambassadors because of why? Their connection to Joseph, who what? Is in good standing with the king. <laughs> All right, so so anyway, So so this is happening. So now his family is not just in Goshen. He has elevated his family to work for Pharaoh as well, which also gives them protection— as aliens in a foreign land, and uh, now, now there is, uh, there's no indication. We don't know. I'm gonna assume that he did. I mean, wouldn't y'all do a solid for your brother if everything's back good again and you've gotten past that whole throw me into slavery thing? So, but it never really tells us whether Joseph ever followed through with that or not. We assume that he did. I think he probably did. Don't you? I mean, I don't think he would have that opportunity to get his family even elevated even more by giving them some of that responsibility but we never really know whether Joseph followed through on that or not. We assume that he did. Uh, All right, verses 7 through 10. Then Joseph brought in Jacob. Here comes daddy. Uh, Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. That's a bold move. Now, let me tell you why that's bold. Now, unlike the brothers, Jacob has walked up in the throne room, and has elevated himself to be of higher status than Pharaoh. This is a big move. Uh, you know, what do you mean you're gonna bless me? And but I, but but watch, he he he's smart, I guess Joseph had taught her maybe just new to the culture. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? Now hang on to that, that's important, because the Egyptians, they were obsessed with this. See they they when when you go to like Ramses II the second Ramses the second they they say he lived somewhere between ninety and hundred, and they consider that to be a huge number. They were like, man, Ramses is elevated because of the length of life that the gods gave him. He he lived beyond ninety, and and they they said he did not get nobody none of them ever got. He was the oldest, and they said they, he did not eclipse hundred. It was somewhere somewhere between ninety and hundred. And so this is a big deal to the Egyptians. And when Jacob drops this number on him, they're impressed. They they know they know there's because this is they they, they, they were all about this kind of stuff. So uh, so and Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning, hang on to that, underline that, are one hundred and thirty years. What? I mean, he's like, what did he say? A hundred and thirty. Now, keep in mind, when you look at Abraham, you look at Isaac, he's in the third slot. Okay. So, so 130 years to the Egyptians, they couldn't believe what they were hearing. And so they knew there was something about, about this guy and it did get respect from them. But look, I love this part too. And he says, um, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And, the, and and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. There's twice, and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Jacob coming up in here kind of bold. Jacob's coming up in here bold. Hey, I'm a hundred. You ever been around old men? They don't care anymore. You know, it, 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 it's been one of the greatest things about getting older. I'm, I said it on the, on the radio show that I do today. I said, I got news for you. If the God allows me to, to live a much longer, y'all strap on because y'all in for a wild ride. I don't really care what y'all think anymore. And I was saying that to the whole audience. You know, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. So, uh, so I, I mean, we've earned it at some point when that gray starts coming in. Isn't it nice? So anyway, so Jacob, l- let's unpack what he said. So he's presented to Pharaoh. And, and this is one of the things, it's almost like a courtesy visit because he's already decided they're staying. So Jacob's not trying to sell him on anything. Joseph's just been talking about his daddy and he wants his daddy to come here and meet Pharaoh. Uh, so, and, and he, he really didn't need permission anymore about staying there. So at the beginning and the end of the visit, Jacob blesses uh, Pharaoh. Um, and, and, and see, this is, this is something that you, you see in scripture. But this is actually the only time that we see in Genesis where a patriarch blesses a foreigner. We don't see anywhere else. Jacob being one of the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, there's nowhere else in Genesis where any of the patriarchs ever blessed a foreigner. But now Jacob does. Uh, it also shows Jacob assumed that position, as I told you, of and they're careful with this, superior to, to Pharaoh, that he had, the authority to bless Pharaoh, which was a bold move, and uh, and and like I said, the reason why Pharaoh let it go was most likely first of all he's being protected by God. We know that, but as far as earthly reasons, he's elderly and he's head of the clan. Pharaoh had great respect. He knew all about these Hebrews that are coming here, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you want to meet the man who runs the thing? You you want to talk to the guy, Jacob? He's one hundred and thirty years old. And Pharaoh was impressed, and so Pharaoh received the blessing from this older man, because age was held in such high esteem uh, in the Egyptian culture. And, and Pharaoh wants to know that number, and uh, and 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 the number he heard to the Egyptians would have been extraordinary. Now notice again, and we got to keep this is a theme that God really wants us to get out of Genesis 47. Jacob refers to himself as a sojourner living in a foreign land. Hey, I've been down here 30 years as a sojourner, and and Abraham was a sojourner. So these sojourning attitudes that they had, they knew they were God's people, and they knew they were God's chosen people. They knew they had a covenant with God, and they knew that he was taking them somewhere. They just weren't there yet. Now, I want us to really, again, I want to drive home that point because we now— I don't, know, I don't know. Do we have any Jewish people in here at all? It's all Gentiles? So a bunch of wild branches grafted in. So now the church under Christ, the Jew and the Gentile have been put together, and now together we we now are sojourners as well, Jew and Gentile, those that have been redeemed by Jesus and recognized him as Messiah. We are now moving through a fallen world where we do not belong, but we know that our Lord and Savior told us when he left, Jew and Gentile, I go now to prepare a place for you, and it's good that I go because I leave you now. uh, The Holy Spirit, which is, is the presence of God in your life, your, your dead spirit's now alive, and while I go to prepare a place for you, you continue as aliens to be sojourners in this fallen place, bringing others to to redemption so they, too, can go where you're going. Rick, what am I supposed to do after I've been justified? You're supposed to be sanctified, and you're supposed to be a disciple, you're supposed to make disciples, and you don't cling to this world. Where I, that's the reason why I do not like the term doing life together. That is not true. I don't like that phrase. I don't, I don't, I don't embrace that phrase. Certainly, nothing wrong with you, if, 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 but I want you to correct it. If we're the church, we ain't doing life together. We're saving lives together. Because the rest of the world's doing life. We're not doing life. We're saving lives. We're advancing the kingdom of God. We are not doing life together. Doing life together means we act like just everybody else. We all do the same things everybody else does. No, we don't. I hope we don't. We're sojourners. This is, this is we don't belong here. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. And so, and and so, this is the. And I hope I didn't upset some of you with that, because I know some of you love that, and you don't mean anything by it. And I understand that I'm not being sanctimonious and a Pharisee about this, but I do think it needs to be corrected. Let, let me see, that's, that's, all, that's this whole thing you see. I, I see some ads that are running right now, and I'm watching some of the games. I don't like it. Can I just let everybody know this? Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one and only living God, the beginning and the end, does not need PR agents. Okay, We don't need to make him more palatable for people. He, he didn't hire us out saying, oh, by the way, since I've uh, justified you, would you be my public relations uh, person, please? Can you help me with the things that I, I'm flawed in? Can you make me more palatable for people, please? That's not what he said to do. He said, go tell everybody who I am and do what I told you to do. Teach them all that I have commanded. He didn't say, go out there and try to make me more palatable. He said, teach them all that I – that's straight from him. Teach them all that I have commanded because they don't know. Now, are we supposed to teach it with love? Of course. But do we make it more palatable? No. I don't even think you can understand God's grace. We did this during the Knowing God Bible study. Remember that? We can't understand God's grace if we don't understand his wrath. That's impossible. So what if I never taught anyone about God's wrath? Well, you know, that's not very popular, and people don't like that. Yeah, but they got to know it, because then when I talk about how gracious God is, they may not even agree. What's so gracious about God? Oh, you didn't know about His wrath. No, nobody ever told me that. Oh, that's why you live the way you do. Then you didn't think it was any big deal. You didn't know what you had coming. If you want to know what you had coming, go find out what the, what what God did to His Son, because that's what was coming. You know, everybody, everybody, You know, and I've heard others say this. And it's true. It's I even heard a great message on this. I think we got to be careful how we even present the gospel. God, the Father, did not let it go. And I think we teach that too many times. You know, he showed mercy. No, he really didn't. He just put he just put the punishment on his son, not us. He still did it. God's wrath is still gonna come on everybody who's not redeemed. He hasn't give up the wrath. The wrath's not the wrath just ain't gonna touch you and me if we've been redeemed. It's still coming. And it still went on Jesus. So he didn't withhold it. Jesus just took it, and see when you when you realize that you go, oh wait, oh that's different. That's much different. Yeah, it's different, but that's really the gospel, and it makes you appreciate Jesus a little more, doesn't it? As opposed to making him out a a hippie who who gets us. Okay. Good night. We don't. He doesn't need a PR agent. Okay. And I'm not his PR agent. I'm his disciple. Can I get an amen on that at all? I mean, is that good gracious. Y'all gonna get me stirred up in here and I'm gonna have to answer emails and Y'all, you remember my email, speedy at rickandbubba.com. All right. So I think that's important though. No, I'll kidding aside. I think that's important. So um I heard actually uh Washer talking about that this week and he was spot on about that. Uh Paul Washer, you know him? Grab a couple of those. And, you know, uh, so anyway, um, so now let's look at when he said 130. Now, why did he call himself to saying that he was, they really wasn't any big deal. And the reason why he said his, his, uh, I love this. When well, my years are few, few 130 years Well, he's like, yeah, compared to my dad, and my granddad. Since, since we, we Abraham, uh, Isaac got 180 years, Abraham got 175. Well, 130 compared to that, it's not a big number. So, uh, and he says that, and I also love this, and this is something that if you think that the Bible, that God doesn't understand what it's like down here, think about this great statement. It, it really, it really brought me to tears as I was studying this, is here's this old man, Jacob, and man, he's been through it, hadn't he? And, and he's standing there before Pharaoh, and he says, tell me about your years. And he said, I've been sojourning for 130 years, few and evil other translations say few and hard have been the days of the years of my life and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my father and the days of and fathers in the days of their sojourn. How about this? Yeah, I've lived 130 years, but it ain't been easy. It's few compared to my daddy and my granddaddy, but it's been hard. Anybody relate to that? I've been here a long time. Not as long as some of you, but do y'all agree? It's been hard, real hard. Do you remember Doctor Hook in the Medicine Show? Remember their song "Life Ain't Easy." Nobody ever said it would be. Now they're coming from a different place, but how about this? Even Scripture said that life ain't easy because it's fallen and we're fallen. You think about you think he's not reflecting on what he went through with Esau. He's reflecting on what he went through with Laban. He's reflecting on wrestling with God himself and all the trials and tribulations he's been through, the th- thinking that Joseph was dead. All those years he thought Joseph was dead. He said, yeah, I've been here a long time, but it ain't been easy. And we can all relate to that. But he, And he says that. Uh, verse 11 then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Joseph carries out Pharaoh's orders to the letter, puts them in Goshen. He grants them ownership the land then was, you know, it was called the land of Ramses, obviously, and I, we talked about that. Look at this cool moment: Joseph's provision for his fathers, his brothers, and their families fulfilled the promise that he'd made to them. God, God has put me here to take care of you, and to protect you from the famine. He'll go on to talk about that um, as we get ready to wrap up. That God was in charge of all of this, and here's this moment. Imagine what it was like for Joseph. Do you, do you love that wonderful moment? Sometimes it happens quick. Sometimes it won't happen for a while. But if you, if you stay with God, eventually you'll see that what you've been through, he was working something in it, either in your life in the, or in the life of other people or both. Most of the time it's both. And think about Joseph, all he had been through. Think about being in, sold into slavery by your own brothers When we went back and discovered, remember when they were saying that the brothers were remembering how he begged for his life and Reuben was saying, I told you we shouldn't have done this thing, and then Judah comes back and says, I won't do this to to Benjamin. I won't do this to my father again. We have learned our lesson. And I want you to think about how wonderful it was that Joseph, and this is key, knew that his brothers had repented. His daddy got to see him before he died. And he was able to take this thing that everybody else thought was so horrible. And and by earthly standards, it was. Remember Potiphar's wife. I got myself set up okay. At least I'm in pretty good shape. Then Potiphar's wife makes a false accusation. I did what God told me to do, and I'm in jail. Oh, then I helped two guys, and they're going to help me get out of jail. One forgets. The one that was supposed to help him forgets. He stays down there longer. All this has gone on. And then here's this moment, here's this moment when he provides for his brothers and all their families, all their kids, all of his nieces, all of his nephews, provides for his daddy and has them safe in Goshen. Because of the position he found himself in, God caused it all, and he sees now why. How's that feel? That's a pretty good feeling. I can remember, and it being before, I think I can get through this. I remember uh, my grandmother who prayed for me diligently. Who was the first one that started trying to tell me that I should be teaching the Word of God. I should be using the things that God has given me for that, and I wanted nothing to do with that. I didn't want to go to hell. And I thought I'd done enough to kind of check that off the list. But me being immersed in the church, being a teacher, being a preacher, I didn't have any interest in that whatsoever. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she kept trying to teach me and kept trying to um, point me in that direction. And when I was finally redeemed and all these things started happening and the, the I started getting opportunities to speak and teach and she could not have been more proud and she never missed a copy of the newspaper the Alabama Baptist she she read every single copy that there had ever been produced in her lifetime I and mean, she was in her 80s when she was getting at the end of her life and I didn't even know this, and she was she was close to death. And I and I'm so goofy. I uh, I I, I at times don't, am not as organized as I need to be, and I certainly wasn't then. I was getting speaking requests, and I was trying to find ways to keep up with it, and I didn't have any kind of, you know, handler or anything like that, and I was just kind of doing it on my own. And I and I would do things like Sherry, my wife, has seen in my phone, like some of you in my phone may be guy from Bible study who's bald okay and uh, and 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 you know and and so because I couldn't remember what your name was and I just put it in there like that so I would I would put on the calendar just where I was speaking that's it and so I had one on the calendar that said Montgomery Alabama and what church but no no details and so I knew that it was the day for that speaking engagement and um and my grandmother had prayed over me and prayed over me and and, and things were happening and she was getting to experience some of it. And um so I'm driving to this uh, event and my pastor calls my phone. Uh and I picked it up, Danny Wood. And uh my pastor for 20 years. And he said, Hey man, I just want you to know I'm out front. I got you a parking spot. And I was like, What is he doing there? And and I was like, Danny, what what do you what are you doing there? He goes, "What do you mean? What am I doing here?" And I said, "Well, I'm speaking, and I just find it odd that you've driven an hour from Birmingham to Montgomery on a Tuesday night to hear me come speak at this church." He goes, "Do you know what you're speaking at?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, I'm speaking at this church in Montgomery." He goes, "This is the Alabama Baptist Convention. Uh, you're the you're the you're the main speaker for the Tuesday night service. We're all here." that are that are baptist pastors in alabama and i'm like what and so uh and so uh i think well okay i got to i gotta tighten up a little bit i gotta i gotta, I gotta so so i start looking and i first of all i think thank, thank the lord it was a you know a baptist church in alabama so i put a suit on thank goodness for that and um so i get there and you know Go in and, and, and get that opportunity and present that message on that night. Uh, you know, the, the challenge to all the Baptists in the state of Alabama. Uh, but, um, and, and God provided a good message, uh, and uh, it was better than the one that I had on the way down there. But, um, but anyway, so, um, so I finished that up, and, and it went great. It was a great honor. And uh, so the next edition of the Alabama Baptist comes out. And on the front page, is Margaret Burgess's grandson that she's prayed for for years, who she always said is supposed to be a preacher, is addressing the Alabama Baptist Convention, and it's on the front page of the Alabama Baptist. And I walked into her room where she was getting dazed till death, and I threw it up there on the bed and said, there you go. And she said, now I can die there you go. Thank you for your prayers. And, uh, and so, so that, now I didn't tell her that I didn't know where I was going, but, uh, the, uh, but, um, that part is, you know, for all of us to enjoy, but, uh, and no one in this room that knows me is surprised by that in the least, but, um, but that's kind of had to be where Joseph was on a much bigger deal to say, I see now why I'm here. I see, I see how this is all working out. I see how, I'm supposed to take care of my family, and he's provided an opportunity uh, for me to do that. So, um, so forty-seven is going to the rest of it's going to depict the severity of of the of the remaining years of the famine and the effect on the Egyptians. Now, but when we move into that, keep in mind: as Joseph's provision for his father, brothers, and their families fulfilled the promise he made to them. The rest of it, we're going to go and see what it, what the Egyptians went through. But keep in mind, don't miss the other important point as we go through the rest of 47, or at least up to verses 27. Don't, don't miss that it's also showing the contrast of what the Egyptians are going through. And over here in Goshen, here's these shepherds that God has taken care of. They're they literally being protected in this same foreign land from the severity of the famine that the Egyptians can't even get around. So God's protected his people, even in a fallen world that is in one of the worst famines that the world has ever seen. So now Joseph has to get back to dealing with the Egyptians, but he does this with the peace of knowing what? My family's good. Can I ask you this, guys? Dads and granddads in here. Are you out making disciples and trying to reach the rest of the world with the assurance that your family's good? Are they good? Are they secure? Are they taken care of. They they right with God. So you can move on to the other things he's, he's he needs you to do. If not, then then let's let's continue that work as well until we have that assurance also. And hopefully, we too will get that on this side of eternity. So the famine is is going to be uh, ravaging Egypt, and Joseph's able to provide for them, and they're being provided for, don't miss this, out of the resources that he put together for Pharaoh. That's incredible. All right, so let's look at verses 13 and 14. Um, Stark image in the change here. No food is our first sentence in 13 and 14. There was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, underline very, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, which he got them out of in time, they, they languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for grain that they bought and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Now, why is all that important? Well, the only food that we got now in Canaan and in Egypt is what Joseph told uh, Pharaoh to store up. That's all the food there is. There's no more food anywhere else. That's how bad it was. So, what happens now, it's, this is also going to be something that's not going to be very popular, but it's in the Bible you don't see Joseph putting together a plan where he gives people food for nothing. Okay? It it was not set up as a charity. He said, we stored it up, we got it, but you still got to pay for it. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that was the plan? Why didn't he just give it to him? Right? Uh, Well, the reason why is there was two things. Uh, he, He did not want the people, to start a black market, which would have happened. I'm going to come in and buy more than I really need. Now I'm going to go out and profit and make other people desperately give money to me. He didn't want that to take place, and that's what happens. And he also did not want the Egyptian people to become lazy and worthless and and, and think that they didn't have to pay or work for anything. He didn't want to establish that culture. He didn't want to establish that culture. God did not like that culture. So, so he, he did not want that. So he, he, there now silver was the most common uh, medium of exchange, and they used that to buy the grain. But notice how he can be trusted again. Guess what the Bible said about God's man, who is even in an evil land? Pagans. But God's man did not pull some off to the side for himself. Well, I'm in charge of this exchange, and I'll take a little silver for me. A little silver for Pharaoh, a little silver for me, a little silver for Pharaoh. I'm God's man. They're all a bunch of evil pagans anyway. What's wrong with me stealing from them? God probably wants me to. They don't even worship the God that I serve. No. No. We see Joseph as an example is when he was put in charge of somebody else's money, he turned in every single bit of it to who it really belonged to. It wasn't his money. Now, was Pharaoh taking care of Joseph? He was, but why? Because he could be trusted. Joseph didn't didn't cut any corners and say, well, I'm going to steal some now. No, it, he's taken care of by Pharaoh, by God ultimately, through Pharaoh. Why? Because he's honest. Because he, he does what he's supposed to do, and he doesn't keep some for himself. He's not looking for, again, he's not trying to make God into something God's never been. Well, surely God didn't expect me not to take some of this from these evil people, Right? So, uh, verses 15 through 17, at some point the silver's going to run out. Watch this, in 15 and 17, they don't even have silver left, um, and, and Pharaoh's got it all. 15 and 16, and when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why should we die before your eyes, for our money is gone? All right, you think, well, now he's going to give it away. I mean, they're even saying, well, hey, you're just going to let us starve to death? If we all starve to death, what's Pharaoh got? he 'll be king of nothing. sometimes I wonder or some of the policies of our current politicians in our country I realize they're trying to be the ruling class but the way they're destroying uh, our economy in our country I'm not sure what they're going to be king of uh, they' gonna be hope they're gonna be very impressive if we keep this up and they're saying this to Joseph if we all die we all get sick and we're all gone y'all Pharaoh's king of nothing. And so give us some of this to keep us alive because our money, the silver, is all gone. And Joseph answered, give your livestock, and I'll give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money's gone. Still no freebies. Still no freebies. Bring us the livestock now. He's not going to establish this culture of welfare. welfare. He's not going to do it. In the worst famine that they had ever seen. You would think now, of all times, you gotta, you, you got you to gotta cave in on some of this. But he knows what? It's not good for the Egyptian people to let them do this. We have do so many things for people that we think we love them. I, Jeff Erickson, if you've never seen his TED Talk, you need to. He's a, he's a follower of Christ. That's an entrepreneur. He's the one I partnered with with the BuzzBox Coffee campaign that he established. He goes all over the world. And you know what he goes all over the world to do? not to give them money and not to give them food, to give them capitalism. He teaches them how to make their own money. He teaches them how to sell their own products, how to provide for themselves. He said that's the biggest mistake the church has made. We come in with a bunch of handouts, and we don't teach people how to take care of themselves. If we really loved them, we'd teach them how to be self, independent, to make their own money, to have their own food, without waiting on us to show up again with a truck. And so that's what he does. And that's when we get blurred anyway and we and we leave the true gospel, which means I'm here ultimately to point you to Jesus for your eternal needs, we get so obsessed with looking at what we did to somebody for somebody's physical needs, which is important, but it doesn't replace the gospel. Then we just become a bunch of social workers. And uh, and 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 that's not biblical. And we see it here. Uh, so he says, So now we're going to exchange it for the livestock. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so the, he said, I, I, I don't want people you know, to, to do this black market. I, w- I don't want you to become uh, dependent on handouts from the government. And they said, Well, look, we got to do something different. We're all going to starve. And what can you rule then? And we got no silver left to buy the grain. So what do we do? You know what Joseph said? We got a new exchange. We'll do livestock. He adjusts to it right there. Well, I'd like to have him running Rick and Bubba Incorporated. You know it so so he's he's always ready to go with the next thing. So so now we look at eighteen and nineteen. And when the year was ended, they came to him following the following year and said, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds of livestock are my lord's. There's nothing left. In the sight of my lord, but our bodies and our land. Why shouldn't we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us, uh, by us and our land for food, and we uh, uh, with our land will be servants to Pharaoh and give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. They don't even come with a freebie this time. They've already said, "Look, we're out of livestock. Y'all got it all. We're out of money. You got all that. So how about this? Take our land." and take us to work for you in return for the food. See, he broke them of this welfare program. They've come back and said, this will be the new deal. So the livestock fed them for a year. Now they're back. This time they offered to work for the food and to give their land in return uh, for food. So look what happened in 2022. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's, and as for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to another. Only the land of the priest he did not buy, for the priest had uh, a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Uh, therefore, they did not sell their land. Everybody sells their land except the the, priest, uh, the Egyptian priests don't have to do it. they got a special deal. They keep their land, they're provided for, and that also, even though this is pagans doing this, it's also in Scripture showing, and Paul talks about this, even though he made tents, he said, look, I'm making tents just so y'all was shut up and not make a big deal out of this. I don't want to hear it from you, but, but know this, that my brothers that y'all, that churches are providing for, they have a right to it. And the churches should provide for them, and really you should provide for me, but I don't want to hear it from you. Now, he didn't do that with every church. That was with the Corinthians. He, now, when the Philippians took care of him, he took their gift. But the but it's it's throughout Scripture precedent. Now this is not, this is pagan, I acknowledge that, but it's still a foreshadowing. We are to take care of those who are teaching us, who are serving us, and are doing the work of the church. They are to be taken care of by us, and there's nothing wrong with them asking for it. Now, if they're trying to manipulate us out of money, that's different by selling blessings and forgiveness of sin and all this garbage. But as far as us providing for them uh, as they serve the church and serve the people, that that that's not out of line. You know, you're you're not you're not a, wor- a worse person if you're not bivocational. And there's nothing wrong with being bivocational, you know, but there's not a right and wrong with either one of those. But uh, you see that everybody else, their land and their service was now uh, belonged to Pharaoh. And, uh, and, and the people, apparently, if you look at verse 25, they were treated uh, really well. well. We'll get to that here in a minute. So 23, then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, underline that, that's important, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh and four-fifths shall be your own, a seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your households as and food for your little ones. And they said, look at this, 25 is crucial because what do you hear all the time too much now? Poor, poor, pitiful me. Look how hard I have to work. Look how horrible my company is. Look how they don't do this. Why well, I ought to be paid more. I'm not appreciated. Poor, poor, pitiful me. That's not their attitude at all. You know what they say? You saved our lives. We should appreciate the opportunity you gave us. You gave us a way to to provide food for ourselves. Three different scenarios you provided for us, and we thank you for them. Apparently, they were treated pretty well, and I'll show you evidence of that. And they said, you have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. They're not begrudgingly doing this. So Joseph made... It a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. We, we covered that. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt and the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. Underline fruitful and multiplied greatly. We'll pick that up next week. All right, so the people thought they were treated well. Uh, they, they, they were more than happy. To give part of, of what they had, everything they had to the crown. But they were also able, with these seeds he gave them, what he's doing is, is that he's telling the Egyptian people, we're, we're, we're going to do this for now in this situation, but, but Pharaoh is going to set you up for the future. When this famine's over, here's seed, here's everything you need to get back to providing this for yourself. He gets a fifth, you get four fifths which, by the way, was very fair in a tyrannical government and a dictatorship when you're serving a pharaoh, this was a lot for them to keep. It was very modest by the Egyptian standards. So they were given a good deal because the fact that the food had been provided for them, even though they had to pay for it, uh, it had been provided, and the the, the pharaoh and Joseph had set them up uh, to be able to uh, take care of themselves. Um, and, and, and the Egyptians were not asking for a tremendous amount, and they seemed very happy. And and so this is the thing that, that we got to take away from this too, the foreshadowing. Can I just tell all of us right now, no matter how rough things have been, and it doesn't mean that doesn't matter, okay? But when you look at the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we serve, that bought us on the cross, does that sound familiar from what we just talked about? We were bought you know hey your your redemption cost you your sin okay and your redemption is is freely given by god through his grace and mercy we repent and, and and we receive his mercy and grace but let me tell you something it wasn't free it wasn't cheap because look what it cost christ look what it cost god and so what god now says is i bought you i will provide for you and you know what else? So I really don't want to hear any grumbling about me. I don't care what your life's been like or my life's been like. When I look at the cross, I got no gripe with my king. Ain't been easy. But I had a much bigger problem that he resolved. And they, the Egyptians had a much, much bigger problem that they were all going to die if they didn't do what the king told them to do. He would provide for them, but it would cost. And you know what, you know what our our redemption cost us? Our sin. Our lives. But we're given eternity in the presence of the one and only living God. And our debt is wiped clean. Verse 27, that'll set us up for next week. Israel settled a second time in Genesis. Uh, the name is used as a nation. Don't miss that you see that we're not saying Jacob anymore. We're, we're using this word Israel now as a nation for the second time. Why? Because we're, we're getting set up that, uh, uh, that God's promises, you see that being fruitful, being multiplied, here it goes, fulfilling the promises that God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is the beautiful thing, and we'll end with this. The Egyptians, while they were losing ownership of their land, to the king, God's people were gaining land that was theirs. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for the message today, so much to take away from this. And um, Lord, forgive us for our grumbling, our complaining. Uh, Forgive us, Lord, for really how lightly we take this sometimes. But when we sit in these moments like this with your Holy Spirit, you remind us what really has taken place. We got nothing to say to you but thank you. Thank you. As these people said to Joseph, you've been good to us. And we need to say to you, Lord, today, you've been good to us. Now, we haven't always been good to you, but you've been good to us. If you never did another thing other than the cross, you've done enough because we didn't deserve that. Thank you Jesus for taking the wrath that we were due. Thank you Lord for sacrificing your son to, so we could be protected from your wrath. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room or watching this anywhere in the world that doesn't know you right now, their heart is prompted to cry out, "Do you forgive me?" Forgive me, Lord. For my sin. I repent of my sin and I turn to you. I ask that you forgive me. I, I want the redemption that you provide only through your son, Jesus. I leave faith in myself and I place my faith in you, a benevolent king. And I leave faith in myself, I leave my own authority, and I submit to your authority, my benevolent, loving king. I belong to you now. Forgive me. Lord, I pray those that have made that decision today for the first time or the first time they meant it, if you you want me involved to help disciple them or tell them what to do next, prompt them to reach out to me, rick at burgessministries.com. Thank you, Lord, for these men that are here today. And be with Jim as he uh, recovers from his procedure today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being with us.